Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined with our full cast and crew tonight and our special guest, but let's be honest, you guys know that Elsie's been playing a lot of basketball, Marty Party's been making business calls, Doc's been hanging with his girlfriend, so we already know what everyone's been up to, so let's get to our special guest right away here. We welcome in a man, and when I say the manliest of mans here, in all honesty, should be on the Mount Rushmore when it comes to fantasy, fantasy sports fame. He's RotoWire's senior editor, host of RotoWire Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, an FSWA Hall of Famer, and you might see him go brrrr when watching his bangles this weekend. The combo meal of a face for TV and voice for radio, Jeff Erickson joins the party tonight. What's going on, man? David, thank you for the, uh, the intro there. I'm doing well, doing really well. Feeling old today, though. My youngest daughter just turned 16, so uh, that's where I'm at these days. But uh, yeah, it, life is good. Well, so youngest daughter turned 16. You got the Bengals playing this weekend in a, another meaningful game for them. Uh, how are we feeling about the Bengals' chances this weekend? Not to go too far off sports here, but not you feeling confident? No, not great. Uh, three of the <laughs> uh, starting five offensive linemen are going to miss the game, probably. Um, th- and that was their big weakness from last year. And I, I think it, it was enough to get by against uh, Huntley. But, you know, when you go up against a real offense here on the road, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. We, we, we did that last year, but then it caught up to us in the Super Bowl. But, hey, stranger things have happened. I do have Joe Burrow. That is nice. I love having him as my franchise quarterback. And uh, we'll, we'll be riveted, that's for sure. You'd probably yeah, feel gonna... better if they were playing the Chiefs. Oh, that, yeah. Thank God you guys aren't playing us. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you so it's funny is my brother is a huge Chiefs fan. So it's always is like he? a big uh, battle there when we match up. It's not even a battle. You guys own us. It's like four to zero, I think, in the Patrick Mahomes era. Yeah, it's crazy. Brother. It's crazy. Uh, but because, of course, obviously you talk about baseball. Jeff, one of the best baseball minds out there. And we have our second base preview to get to tonight. So tons of great second basemen here uh, as we tackle one of the most difficult positions to judge here in fantasy baseball. So without further ado, let's dive in, Jeff. Let's look at each range as we do with every episode here and using NFBC ADP over the last two weeks here. And it's fluctuating so much now that drafts are really picking up. But we go to the first guy here for you, Jeff, in that top 10 range. And which player do you find yourself drafting a ton of around this spot? I've been getting, I've been taking an early second baseman. Uh, I've been going a lot of Ozzy Albies. I did a gladiator league. I only got in one gladiator league. I wish I would have gotten into more. I just didn't have the time. Uh, but I got Albies a little after ADP, which was pretty nice. And that was before the Trevor Story injury, uh, Trevor Story injury. So that was one less guy in that top tier. Uh, I think it pushes the other top second baseman up a little bit there. You know, Albies, you know, he wasn't having a good year before he got hurt. And that's a little bit of a leap of faith. However, that lineup is still absolutely loaded. I, I like the skills that he had prior to the injury. I thought he was going to come around when he did get hurt, uh, when he did get hurt before. So I'm going to kind of redouble my efforts. And now that Dansby's gone, that opens up a spot probably towards the top of the lineup for Albies. You figure Grissom will bat towards the bottom of the order. Now it's interesting because Marty Party actually is a big Albies fader this year. Oh, okay. so I would like to see you combat Jeff. 
and why your thoughts on why you're fading Ozzy Albies this year. Yeah. So, and again, it's not, uh, Albies is not a bad player. So let's just start there. Everyone likes to say, why do you hate him so much? That's not it. I just think where his ADP is, it's a little high. And Jeff, I want to ask you this. Are you at all concerned? Or let me ask you another way. Do you think he's going to be hitting in the you know first or second in that lineup? Because as of right now, roster resource has him batting sixth. And the biggest thing with Albies is that he's an accumulator. In 2018, he had 684 plate appearances. In 2019, he had 702. In 2021, he had 686. Right now, the bad X projections has him going now only for 587. So almost like a little over 100 less uh, uh, plate appearances, which I really think is going to help uh, hurt his counting stats. Then obviously, you know, home runs and everything like that. So with, they have uh, roster resource has Michael Harris um, uh, leading um, or in the, the second spot and Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first uh, leading off. So are you worried about that or do you think he's going to he's going to go move right up to the top of that? Uh, I mean, I'm moderately concerned. And of course, if you bat six, that's less less uh, promising. However, it's six in a really good lineup in a really good ballpark. Uh, and the Braves batting order was pretty fluid last year. It wasn't like it's a fixed spot. Roster resource is great, but it's not manna from, it's not like the word, uh, from Moses here. You know, it's not, that's not written in the tablets. Uh, and I think it could be pretty fluid, especially, you know, I don't think Harris bats up in that high against lefties. Uh, I think for, uh, at the very least, you won't see that happen. Uh, and I think Albies will bat towards the top of the lineup then. Um, I, I, yeah, accu- yeah, he is a little bit of an accumulator, but you know, they're, they're, Pretty good. That's a pretty good place to accumulate. So I hear you on that. I, I, I see the risk. I think he's got to demonstrate that he's at full capacity first before they entrust him with the high batting order slot. But I think he gets there. And one more thing I'll say about that is again the opportunity cost at that at that uh, point in the draft. I see myself going for like a Scherzer, a Wheeler, a Shane Bieber, Urias. You know, they're all right there around his ADP. So at that point, have you already addressed getting an ace or are you waiting on pitching like a lot of the uh, like a lot of people are this year? Typically, I'll have one starter in the top three. Um, now, it depends. Like I, I'm doing an FPC 50 and that's a 12 team or not a 15 or uh, so that makes a difference. But uh, in that I did one of them, I messed around and got two closers early. Another one I did a closer and a starter early, uh, but I still ended up with Albies in the fourth round. Uh, late fourth round, I think of that. So it, it may have even been fifth round now that I recall, but it was, it was like 48 to 50, 60 or so in that range. That's, that's kind of like, I'm taking him when he falls there. I'm not going to reach up and take him a little extra early just to ensure I get him. But I, I hear you on the opportunity cost, but presumably by then I will have one starter. And to your point, Jeff, Michael Harris against lefties last year batted 238 and 135 plate appearances. So we've seen Many teams, when they face a uh, you know left-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, whatever, et cetera, switch the batting lineup around based off of what hitters do against those types of pitchers. So yeah, maybe Ozzy Albies does hit higher in the lineup versus lefties. And if Michael Harris doesn't continue the success like he had last year with that incredibly high ground ball rate, uh, then you could see Albies, if he starts out the year like six, maybe he could move up even against righties too. So it will be something to keep an eye on too. But Marty, I- I'm with you, I think. I'm a little bit more fade just because I like other second basemen that go a little bit later than him, but definitely a, a great player nonetheless. Cheesecake, let's go to you next, and let's talk about a player in the top 10 that you like. Who do you want to kick it off with? Uh, I like Andres Jimenez. I think Jimenez has one of the one of the few power-speed uh, combo type of guys. He's not great power or great speed, but he gives you solid power and solid speed. That came out 
uh, that started to show last season. And uh, like we were just talking about with roster resource and batting, batting order, I, I think that roster resource might be wrong about where he hits in the Cleveland lineup, perhaps against right-handed pitching. Um, I think he could hit up at the two spot instead of Ahmed Rosario uh, this year. He could get a chance to get up there. Um, so I, I really like Albies. I have him uh, higher rated in my second base rankings than the, I think he's going as the sixth second baseman. So I've been taking him where he's going around pick 80 and just having that hold down my second base spot. I think he's solid. Uh, mm. uh, depends also, you know, if you believe, do you, or do you think that last year was his real breakout year? Mm-hmm. Are, are you buying that he does it again? Is, are you seeing stuff in his profile that makes you think, Hey, this is something that's going to stick or is it just a, a one-year wonder for you? No, I think it's, well, last year was the first season. He really got significant plate appearances and he showed pretty good launch angle with pretty good exit velocity to, to justify the home runs he hit. He also hits in Cleveland, so I think that that power could could be sustained a little bit from the left-handed side of the plate there. And he went 20 for 23 in stolen bases last season, so that was a pretty good success rate. I don't say perhaps I don't say that uh, he's going to maintain that success rate. I don't think um, um, projections are projecting that he maintains that success rate, but he can lose a few and maybe perhaps make it up with the new rules that are coming in. So I think. 19, 19 to 20, 19 to, you know, 15 to 25 stolen bases is pretty good. 15 to 25 home runs is pretty good for him to think about. All right. I like it. Doc, let's move to you next. And let's talk about the player inside the top 10 that you think you would want to draft here. And we're going to get interesting when we flip the coin here in a second. But before we do that, you have a player here that is going number one among second basemen and you're paying the price for it. Yeah, actually, he's going two in the last uh, two weeks with NFBC drafts, and that's Marcus Semyon with an ADP of 35. And I never thought that I would be somebody that is saying I'm going to take him early, but I think 35 is relatively good. That's towards the back end in a 12-team league and third round, middle of the third in a 15-team. But you look at the other top four first basemen, all two had some injury concerns. Jazz Chisholm, who we're going to talk about, has had a lot of injury concerns. And Albies has had injury concerns as well. So you're really paying for someone that's now had durability. He's missed 11 games in the last five seasons, the last five seasons, including seven in the uh, 2020 season. And it was really him protecting himself because he was about to be a free agent. He had a career high 25 stolen bases last season with a sprint speed in the 89, 89th percentile, cut his K rate down to 16.6%, which was the second lowest of his career. And look, he started hitting really cold the first month, 157 but his home or his first second half splits, 13 home runs, 93 runs plus RBIs in the first half, 13 home runs, 91 runs plus RBIs in the second half. He's in an improved Texas lineup. So if you're going to pay up for a you know second baseman to take up in the top five, why not take someone that's durable and an accumulator? He always starts out cold, but he ends up putting it together by the end of the season. So as long as you can handle kind of the, the ebbs and flows he gives you. I can see why you would you would be worth paying up for him, especially with a better lineup here. Um, but I don't think many people are arguing necessarily about Marcus Simeon. This next player, though, to close out the likes, there there might be some pushback. And Jeff, I would love for you to hop in here to give us your thoughts on this player as well. I like to call him Juicy Jazz, as in a Juicy Jazz Chisholm. And to be honest with you guys, look at just his potential. Uh, 
you see in his rookie season in 2021, 248, 303, 425 slash line, 18 homers, 23 steals. That came with a 28.6% K rate, 49% ground ball rate. So the, the numbers were good in terms of the stats, but the underlying factors were not. But then you come 2022 and keep in mind that it's only 60 games. He missed the rest of the season with injury. But in those 60 games, he had a better batting average, a better slugging percentage, and a better OBP. The slugging went up a whole 100 points, which is just phenomenal. And if you're looking at those underlying statistics, you're talking about that ground ball rate and the K rate. Uh, the K rate went uh, went down slightly. Ground ball rate also dropped to 39% from 49%. And he was barreling the ball 16.6% of the time. Now, last year, there were only six stolen base, six players with 30 steals. And only two of those six had 30 home runs. Or I'm sorry, only two of those players had 20 home runs, excuse me. So you only had two players with 20 home runs and 30 steals. That's Randy Arozarena and Bobby Witt Jr. Now, Ronald Acuna could have entered that class if he played a full season, but you get my point. It's a very rare thing to get 30-30 in this day and age. Now, even with the stolen bases going up next year, Jazz Chisholm is so polarizing at that 30-30 type of production. Uh, I've, I've seen people rank him as much as their number one second baseman. I've seen people rank him down as far as like six or seven. He's very tantalizing, but if you are looking for a ceiling, especially in NFBC type of format, you can't go wrong with Jazz Chisholm. He's my number two second baseman this year. And very realistic chance if he doesn't miss a good chunk of the season, he's a 30-30 player this year. Before your rebuttal, Doc, I would like to see if Jeff is on my side or if he's going to take your side. So I was aggressively wrong about Jazz last year. I didn't have him anywhere. I was I was advocating against him. And, you know, I was I was wrong until I was right about the injury. But uh, the thing here, here are the, the two factors I'm watching. Watching to see about his knee. He had surgery on the meniscus in, uh, in the fall. Uh, and a new manager. Is he going to be able to run as much? Uh, that, that's the one thing I'm going to watch for. And, you know, the knee obviously is tied into that a little bit there. But I, I was wrong. I think, you know, you got a player with that sort of skill set, the, uh, the power and speed combo ability. Yes, sometimes you can hand wave a little bit of the plate discipline issues that he might have. Um, that's something I'm going to watch for a little bit. I probably will have him a little bit. Uh, I, it's funny that Semyon and Jimenez were brought up because I'm just I'm in I'm doing two NFBC 50s right now. And those are the two second basemen I've drafted so far in those particular drafts. <laughs> I got Albies in a gladiator earlier there. So uh, that, I, I, I am on board with an early second base. I will say that. And I, I think that's also a little bit of a polarizing discussion too, is whether you even want to reach for one of these top guys. I think it's worth your time. Um, so, and Chisholm might actually regain that shortstop eligibility. Now that uh, Rojas is in LA, they might play him at shortstop. They said that they haven't decided about that yet. Well, that could be another way to just increase his value. But again, yep. he's he's definitely right now going, uh, I believe he's in the top 60 picks, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check that. But uh, I mean, you're paying up for, for the tantalizing. Yes, Chisholm's 80. He's 45. 45, yep. yeah. So he's he, you're paying up for him. But I think the upside is just too great in these types of leagues. Maybe if, if you're playing in a 10-team home league or something, maybe it's not worth it there. But uh, I, I think- I'd agree the opposite. I'd say that the smaller the league, the more chances you take. Because the replacement level is so high. So on a 10-teamer, oh, I'm going to take that chance all the time. So let me ask you, Jeff, and then I promise I'm going to get to you, Doc. If you had to just top of your head, second baseman you would take over Jazz Chisholm. Who, who makes it? Semyon. Semyon's it. Um, and then right, I, I, like I, it. I, would take, I would take Jazz over Albies. But typically what about think, Altuve? No, uh, I think I'd take Altuve over Albies, but I think uh, he's not going at that rate. I think Altuve's the first second baseman off the board recently. Did you take Altuve over Jazz? No, 
I, I think I would take Jazz over Altuve. Um, okay. And but again, I, I'll probably be the nice guy and let you choose first, and I'll take the remaining guy. But uh, I will take That's one right. of those guys probably. All right, I like it, Doc. Give us your rebuttal, and then we have a couple on the flip side we'll get to after this. But go ahead and, and give us your rebuttal. It's not going to matter anyway. So, okay, so an ADP of forty-five. So you're taking him in the third round of a fifteen-team league for a guy that's played two hundred five career games. So basically, a season and a quarter. I can name a bunch of people that have had a good season and a quarter. Brady Anderson, Yasiel Puig when he came up, his first 104 games, 319 average, 19 home runs, 11 stolen bases. Did it look like that the rest of his career? I don't think so. I could name you a bunch of players that had a good quarter and a half or whatever, or a good year and a half seasons and then ended up being great. So Yeah, but but we're talking about the flip side of this. He, He hasn't shown that because that's been three seasons so far. He had 18 home runs in 20 and 124 games in 2021, 14 home runs in 60 games in 2022. So I get the power is tantalizing, but he also didn't do as well as you think on stolen bases. 12 of 17 last year, 37 of 52 for his career, which is 71%. So I don't think the increased base pass or being able to, to only throw off twice is going to improve that percentage that month that much. Jeff yes, also mentioned everybody's stolen bases are going up next year. Are you kidding me? I'm talking about the percentages. Sometimes it's just knowing when to go. Jeff also mentioned they have a new manager. He doesn't get on base unless he hits the ball. He has a 7.4 walk percentage, 28.4 K percentage for his career. His career average is 243, which was league average last year. He's in a bad lineup that's facing great pitchers in the division. And now I'm going to talk about the back injury. David, he had a stress fracture. You know who else had a stress fracture in their back? Who? You. Spondylolis thesis. Is that what he had? That that's what he had. You, okay, we well, also know who has who has back problems that's famous besides you? Anthony Rizzo. Those come up every single year. We see him out with back tightness. Michael Porter Jr. has missed multiple seasons that's in a different the NBA sport. from back issues. Ben Simmons, back issues. Back issues don't leave you. There was a quote that came out in June that he said at one point he couldn't even walk or lie down without excruciating pain. And stress fractures can lead to osteoporosis. So if you're thinking that he's going to be the same player, living up to I don't your buy name. it. I can't do it. You're living 45. up to your name, Doc, today. What? You're living up to your name, Doc, today. I, I did my research because I wanted to take you and Marty down so bad. You're taking Jeff down, too, because Jeff's a jazz truther here, too. So I, no, I don't no, know. Jeff will I, let you take him. Jeff will let you take him, and then I'll uh, he'll in. take the other second base. The only, left. and that's what I told you, Doc. The only thing you can take away from Jazz is the fact that he might get hurt. He's injury prone. His upside is undeniable. Like there's no way if he stays healthy, he's going to be a 25, 25 guy all the way up to like a 30, 35 guy. That's just what's yeah. going to happen. How much but, is he paying you to be his? Ambassador? Right, well, you know what? I, as much as I want to continue this conversation, we have a couple more players we need to talk about. So let's move on. Let's go to the flip side. We did talk about how we were, some of us were against Jazz Chisholm, which is wrong. Talked about how some of us were against Ozzy Albies. So Jeff, let's go back to you. Let's talk about your fade in the top 10. And your fade was interesting because I was looking at him and I was thinking of maybe going there, but I, I couldn't find enough to make an argument for myself. So I would love for you to take the argument and present it to everybody else with this next player. So last year, Tommy Edmond was a bit of a hot button sort of guy. You know, everybody, you know, everybody had a take. This year, it feels like it's every, everyone thinks it's settled. Oh, he's, he's, he's established now. He's a made man. I don't think he quite is. 
I mean, I, I, his, his performance, first of all, fluctuated significantly last year. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I don't think he bats lead off all season long. I, mm-hmm. I think, uh, everybody's, uh, darling on Twitter now, Lars Newbar might be, uh, <laughs> pushing his way into the leadoff consideration. And if that's true, I think Edmund drops down to the bottom half of the order, bottom third, perhaps even, uh, which means just fewer opportunities. You're we talking about compiling earlier. Well, Edmund is certainly a guy that benefits from, you know, a high volume of plate appearances there. Um, and the bottom half of that Cardinals lineup is unsettled. So I, I think I, I just don't want to pay that fifth second baseman price. I don't want to pay that a top 10, a top 10 round price on Tommy Edmund when I think there are other options. Now, There'll be t- there'll be chances where there'll be you know situations where I may feel like I'm being compelled to go with it anyhow because I'm needing stolen bases, but I'm not super comfortable with it. Let's just put it that way. That's why I'd rather reach <clears> up <throat> and get Albies and and then rather than uh, take Edmund like a, a round or two later. So Jeff, right now Tommy Edmund is on a one year four and a half million dollar contract. The Cardinals didn't extend him. If they were to trade him prior to the season starting. Would he go up in your rankings, or do you think he'd go down, stay about the same? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on where he lands, right? Yeah, uh, and what what role he has, and all that. But I, I think he really is, you know, lineup dependent and spot in the lineup and all that. You know, he is on a team that allows him to run, so there is that. Uh, but I, I think you take away the leadoff spot, and I think it hurts him a lot. I'll say to the Jeff's, White Sox. To Jeff's point, last year Tommy Edmond spent a bulk of his plate appearances at two spots. 400 plate appearances batting leadoff and 112, I'm sorry, 400 plate appearances batting leadoff, 112 batting ninth. A uh, big discrepancy that the rest of it is just kind of scattered, but these were the two big outliers. They either had him hitting first or hitting ninth. And like to Jeff's point, if he's struggling, not doing what he's supposed to do outside of the gate, uh, that seems like where they're comfortable putting him if he's not doing well at the leadoff spot. So I think there's definitely that risk there. And is he stealing bases in the ninth spot? Well, uh, last year, uh, that doesn't say necessarily on baseball savant if he stole a lot from the ninth spot but uh 272 batting average so he was you know hitting the ball decently there but in a 324 obp so he's pretty much uh if he's not hitting the ball he's not getting on base so i i I think there's a lot of risk there but there's also a lot of tantalizing stuff there with the stolen bases so Mm -hmm. 21 probably more on 21 of his 32 stolen bases came out of the leadoff spot last year there you go so I, I think I'm with you, Jeff. I, I was looking at him as a fade, and now I, I feel confident I'm, I'm on the same page with you with that one. So uh, I like that uh, where you're going with that. Marty, let's go to you. Let's talk about your – no, we already did your fade here with Ozzy Albies. We talked about that. Elsie, let's go back to you. Let's talk about your fade. So, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. haven't done my like yet, though, for 1 through 10. I don't did know. you not? Oh, did I, I skip not. you? Yeah, I have been skipped. That's okay. I'll give it to you. So it's Jorge Polanco, um, ADP of 160-61. I am comfortable with waiting on second base. So that, that's where this comes from. Uh, he's the 10th second baseman off the board. He's going middle of the 10th round in a 15-team league, beginning of the 13th round in a 12-team. Uh, bad X projections has him for 589 plate appearances, uh, batting 252, 22 mm-hmm. bombs, nine stolen bases with 74 runs and 70 RBI. Right now he's placing the uh, – he's fifth in the Twins lineup, and he could even move up. We know that um, mm-hmm. you know Carlos Correa and Byron, uh, Byron Buxton aren't exactly the most healthy um, – players hitting in front of him. So it's possible yeah, he moves up to the fourth, third spot. I could see him getting 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases. I like his profile, high walk percentage, low strikeout percentage. And uh, uh, last year he wasn't healthy. And th- this is why his ADP has taken such a big hit. There's the people who invested in him were burned. So they're kind of leaving him alone, but I could see him being a top 10 second baseman easily. And 
being able to wait this long on him, I absolutely love that. Build up my pitching, build up my, um, you know, get a couple closers, and then you know, chip away at the uh, the harder positions. I like it, Elsie. <clears throat> let's go back to you now. Let's talk about the, the flip side again. Going to the who you're fading in this range, and it's somebody that's very uh, hit or miss could be the right word or right mm-hmm. phrase for him because he can carry your team and then he can sink your team. At the, uh, this player right here. Right. And, you know, we as a podcast care about back issues, osteoporosis in our as these people retire, we we want there to be a good retirement from fund from the MLB Players Union. And Brandon Lau has the same issues as as back issues. And last season it really came up and it affected his performance. You saw he he missed the entire last month of the season with back issues, missed two months in the middle of the season with back issues. Um They've said that uh, he's having a normal offseason. I'm I'm not 100% sure what to how much credence to put into that. I think that uh, I, if I see if he comes out in the in spring and he looks healthy and he's lifting the ball, his ground balls went up last year, his home runs per fly ball dropped significantly and uh, you're getting him for that power. So if he's not hitting home runs, doesn't have a high batting average. He's not doing it for you. And if I don't see him being healthy, I don't think he's getting home runs. I also, he's not giving me speed, and I do like to get some stolen bases out of my second baseman. All right, let's leave it there then uh, to close out the negative side of that section. Let's go back to the next range here, which I think, again, this is always my favorite range because this is where it gets really interesting. This is where you can really differentiate your drafts, get your guys here after you wait on the position. Jeff, in that 11 to 20 range, is there a guy that you find yourself uh, either drafted a lot of or somebody that you're trying to to make a point of to draft a lot this year? Yeah, I'm buying the dip on Kettle Marte. Uh, second baseman, 19. I understand uh, you know some, some indicators are off a little bit on him. Sprint speed was down last year. Uh, the, the swinging strike rate was up. However, he was also hurt most of the year, too. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's a feature, not a bug with him. So that, you, take, take into you know, the appropriate grain of salt. But you're getting the discount. He, you know, he, he's going around pick 200 a little bit later for the most part. Uh, the Arizona lineup around him is getting better, in my opinion. I, I think you saw in the second half of the season, they were not a tragic offense. They were just merely mediocre, which yeah, that, that's enough to pay the bills, especially mm-hmm. if he's batting towards the top of that lineup. Um, I, I think you could stick him in there. And I think uh, you, you've got some faster players around him, guys like Corbin Carroll. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, a dynamic, fun lineup now. And I, I think that he's a guy that I'm going to be trying to uh, roster in a few places. Uh, the only negative is he's only second baseman eligible only now. He's never going to play the outfield again. They are just jam-packed in the outfield. There's not any room in the end for that. Uh, but I, I just, I like the skill set. I like the the power. It's some speed, not a lot of speed now, in this, which is a little bit disappointing. But I, if you're looking for speed from your second baseman, that might be a downfall. But again, we're talking about our, you know, second baseman 19. We're talking about uh, late, you know, mid rounds of that draft, and you're trying to go ahead and fill in there. I think uh, second base is rich with like mid tier second baseman and mid tier guys, very thin at the top, which is why I always like getting one of the top guys. Now, Jeff, in 2019, 32 homers, 92 RBIs, a 329 batting average. Batting average has fluctuated majorly, to say the least, over the last three seasons following. The power has almost been completely gone. Combined 26 home runs over the last two complete seasons. Will the real Cattell Marte please stand up? Which, yeah, which is the real Cattell Marte? Yeah, I mean, that, with the hamstrings, maybe he's not able to. That's part of the problem. Um, I, I just think that's it. And also, 2019 was happy, fun ball. We all, yeah. all know about that. So that's I'm not expecting that. 
I'm expecting 20. 20 home runs this year. Okay, that's fair. I think, you know, a full season of Kettle Marte is 20. 20 home runs and like a a two, I mean, right now, 279 career batting average that you expecting somewhere in that range as well. I mean, I think if you're trying to average it out, sure. Um, I I, I think last year, he's one of those, for me, he's one of those guys that's last year is a complete write-off. Yeah. And like you said, just the fact that you're getting him where you are at this point, I mean, looking at his ADP over the last two weeks here, I believe he's going, let's see, he's going the 206th player off the board total. Uh, so getting him after pick 200 is, is pretty juicy. So yeah. I, I like that call with Cattell Marte. Elsie, uh, let's go back to you now. Let's talk about your player that you like in this range, in this 11 to 20 range. And you're going to a San Francisco giant mm-hmm. who I think to maybe the average fan, they might not know that much about this guy. So please educate the audience. Tyro Estrada's uh, came over from the Yankees two seasons ago and has been used all over the diamond by by Kapler since coming to San Francisco, had put together a very good power speed season last season, and uh, looks like he has a lock on the beginning job at second base coming into the season. Projections really like Tyro Estrada, 16 home runs, 17 stolen bases on average if you aggregate the pro- projections. And I I I think, you know, when it comes to San Francisco, if you stop hitting, they stop playing you. But there's not a lot at second base. They have some prospects, David VR. They have some young, uh, not prospects, AAA guys, David VR and Isan Diaz, who would be ready to step up if Estrada stops hitting. But I think Estrada is not going to stop hitting. I think he's got a lot of versatility, can play all over for San Francisco, and uh, has not shown like handedness, uh, split issues throughout his his short uh, career so far, and uh, has a low K percentage, and so he'll be able to maintain a pretty good batting average as and uh, with that power and speed, I like where he's going. I'll pick one seventy five. And the Giants need hitting in that lineup. They don't really have too much off season acquisitions they brought in besides Mitch Hanniger and. Um, uh, uh, Carlos Correa? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> I was thinking of Michael Conforto, but yeah, Carlos Correa, yeah. whatever it never was. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, but, but yeah, that. so he definitely should be able to get a lot of chances in that lineup. Marty Party, let's go to you next. And your 11 to 20 pick is? The legend, Jeff Erickson, already touched on it. It's Cattell Marte. He did. He said it all. The hamstring was why he wasn't as uh, solid last year. That's why his sprint speed was down. You know, so that's, I'm buying in, baby. I just That's wanted more to say compliments. About that. Good man. Yeah. I just wanted compliments for Jeff, just to throw that in there. Yeah, I cut him all day. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Uh, your pick. Uh, I like Vaughn Grissom, the 11th ranked second baseman in the ADP of 170. What we've seen with the Braves is if they think that they can replace you with younger, cheaper talent, they'll do that. They did it with Freddie Freeman, replacing with Matt Olson, and they're doing it with Danzy Swanson with Vaughn Grissom. Uh, he's a good hitter across the three levels last year 312, 363, 291. He only played 41 games in the MLB, and he had five home runs, five stolen bases, 18 RBIs, 24 runs. So if you extrapolate that over a full season, he could be a 15-15, a 20-20 guy that you're getting at a discount instead of a Jazz Chisholm. And the one thing that I do think we're going to see in year two, he had a 21.8K percentage, um, but I think that's likely to go down. It was hovering around 14% in the minors. And I mean, David, you've done the call up, so you pay attention to these guys, you know, when they're at the minor league level. He's just a good contact hitter. And I think he's going to be in a great Braves lineup and probably see every day at bats. 
Yeah, and they, I believe they locked him up too, didn't they? Oh, of course they did. They always lock him up for young, cheap talent. Pretty sure they did. So he's definitely going to get a chance to play. So uh, maybe they believe in his talent long term as well. This next player to close out this section for the favorites also ties into the fade section as Jeff is not a fan of Jonathan India. I happen to be a big fan of Jonathan India this year, Jeff. So we can Uh-oh. go head to head here and talk about this. I would like to let the the more handsome and our special guest go first. If you would like to say why you're fading Jonathan India, and then I can try to to make my points for him. So why are you fading Jonathan India? Well, I'll stipulate I could be wrong on this one here, but the Statcast page is awful with Jonathan India. Uh, hard hit rates, uh, exit velocity, you name it, it's awful. Now, could that be? Am I giving? Am I a hypocrite for giving Kettle Marte uh, the benefit of the doubt and not Jonathan India because of injury based uh, concerns? Yes, I am. Um, I think the uh, lineup around Jonathan India is going to be tragic. I say this as a Reds fan. It is going to be horrible. Yes, the ballpark is great, but you have to have somebody to knock you in. You have to have some people to knock in. Will Myers. I think think the county stats are going to be, you know, are going to hurt you a little bit there. Uh, And the way he plays, including letting himself get hit by pitches, is part of his game. It lends himself to getting hurt a little bit more often, too. So I'm a little worried about games played, too. So because of that, I, it's not like he's on my, I'm not crossing him off, but I'm also not taking him at price. If he comes around the Kettle Marte to pick 200 price, sure, I'll be, I'll be in. But there's a lot of fish in that sea right there, and I'm not going to reach up and, put, uh, and go after that lure. Yeah, he's going around 178. I believe he's the 15th second baseman off the board. So I think even though he's not Kettle Marte value, I think he's still very much a value, but like, I would rather wait on him. And I like Jorge Polanco, but I would rather take Jonathan India as the 15th second baseman than Jorge Polanco as the 10th second baseman. Uh, like you mentioned, Jeff, the injuries definitely could be a problem. Uh, I was not familiar with his game in terms of him being one of the type of guys that takes a lot of hit by pitches. But this is also the same guy that won Rookie of the Year in 2021. 103 games last year, a 249, 327, 378 line. But you look kind of further in the numbers. The, the three months he was healthy, where you could tell there was not really any problems in the, like the beginning and end of the season, July through September, he actually hit 286 and he jumped his home run to fly ball rate to 13%. And this is the type of player that I think when healthy is going to outperform where he's going. Uh, 86th percentile in stolen in uh, sprint speed in 2021, that was 59th percentile in 2022. We saw the drop in stolen bases from 12 to three. So yes, the, the hamstrings, and any other injuries could be a problem for that. I'm banking on he's going to be healthy and hopefully play a full season. If, if this happens again this coming season, I may not feel the same way. But for now, what I saw his rookie season, he made strides. He was uh, chasing less pitches outside the zone and making more contact. So his plate discipline looked like it was getting better. He uh, did better against breaking pitches and off-speed pitches in 2022. So there seems to be a lot of great things still under the hood there, just outside the injuries, where I, I still want to buy back in with the draft price where it is right now even if it's not necessarily going like 20 plus for him. So I'll take the chance. It might bite me. He could be a come infield version of Byron Buxton. That's fine. So we'll, I guess we can find out, but I'm siding with Jeff. I was on your side, David, but he swayed me a little bit when you said he won rookie of the year. So did Chris Coughlin. And then we saw Uh, what are you doing? Pulling up this random stuff, like (laughs) random, but relevant. That's one rookie of the year that didn't pan out. You said, well, he won rookie of the year. That was your first argument. Like that, what he did in 2021 carries to two years from now. 
do I just do you erase if someone won rookie of the year? That means they did something really good in their first no, season. No, but I think I think it's not a given that they're gonna be good. I wouldn't have just started out with my argument. Just me. Good job, Jeff. So just the or so if I said that at the end, that would have made a difference. A I like that Doc is debating how you set up your argument. Not necessarily your argument, but how you format it. It's, it's yeah. the little things, right, Doc? The little things that matter. I to be honest, I just wanted to bust you. Okay. <laughs> I like India. So Jeff kicked off the fades very well there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, because that's for his Reds too. So it's a win-win for you, Jeff. Either you're right or he's doing well and maybe the Reds are doing well. Yeah, maybe. It's just maybe I'm just insulating myself from a summer of pain. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask you really quick about Will Myers because he, I think he's in a different position, but I feel like he's probably been the player that has risen up the most from when he wasn't signed to now. I just I've seen him like now inside the top 300 is is it he is he going to be like worth the hype at this point because it seems like everybody wants a piece of him now I mean everyone wants a piece of him at pick 275 I'm you know hype is is probably strong for it but it's a reasonable signing by the Reds he was available they need to fill those at bats they can try to flip them they're not going to be able to uh but it's a player in a good ballpark but you know we also went crazy over like you know, you know, uh, last year with Chris Bryant going to Colorado and seeing mm-hmm. the healing with that doesn't necessarily make, you know, solve all the pro- players problems. I think Myers also has an issue kind of staying healthy and of course plate discipline's a problem with him. Um, but yeah, I think he's a reasonable ad again, counting stats aren't going to be great because, you know, lineup around him is not so great, but he will get the playing time in a good ballpark. All right. I like it. Now, doc and Marty, I think you guys both said you wanted to fade Jeff McNeil. In this range, but Eric, Doc, you put just Jeff. So I don't know if you meant Jeff Erickson. You were fading Jeff Erickson, <laughs> or if you were fading it's fine. <laughs> you want to clarify for us? Are you guys both on the Jeff McNeil train? I'm on the Jeff McNeil train, Marty. You can start off, and I'll finish it out. Oh, I was going to let you go first because I I can just I can just narrow this down very easily, and it's empty batting average. You know, you're going to hope he hits. I know last year he had an amazing year batting over 300, but I think he's going to be somewhere hovering like around, you know, 320 or uh, I mean, 270 somewhere in there. Um, You know, he's going to be hitting in the back of that lineup. The lineup's absolutely stacked. He's going in the 12th round of a 15 team league and in a 12 team, he's in the 15th round. So the bad X has him for nine home runs, two stolen bases with a 273 average. Um, I, just to me, it's, it's empty batting average with minimal upside. I do, I do like that. He has the outfield eligibility so that can give him like a little bit of a boost, but, um, unless you're really yeah. drafting people who are tanking your batting average, I really don't see the reason to draft him when there's somebody like Cattell Marte still on the board. He has no power. He's hitting far back in the order. And unless he hits 300, he's not going to be worth it. All right. I like it. Doc, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think when you draft someone like Jeff McNeil, you're saying that I'm okay having a low ceiling and hitting your head on it. Um, this is a guy, when you look at the metrics, average exit velocity in the 12th percentile, hard hit and barrel percentage in the 7th percentile. Mm-hmm. Already talked about having a good batting average, but his BABIP has been 335 or higher in four out of the last five seasons. In the happy fun ball area, era in 2019, hit 23 homers in 133 games. He has 23 homers in the rest of his career in 383 games. And this is a guy that's going to be 31 years old. He had four stolen bases last season. I think it's good that they project him for two, but that's not really giving you anything from there. So, yeah, he'll help your batting average. I do see it going down, but I just I don't think it's worth it. Pick 179. Too bad Jeff McNeil isn't here to defend himself. Since he, he had the chance. Him. He had the chance. Yes, he did. 
Art, your pick for the phase uh, through 11 to 20. I just want to counter uh, Doc's love of Von Grissom because if I didn't say that Doc said something dumb, I would not be having a good episode. Um, but I, 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 this might be a, something where I'm just not ready to jump on the ship with Von Grissom yet. He's he's he played shortstop as a minor leaguer, but he came up and played second base last year. And there are some questions about whether or not he's going to be a major league shortstop. I know he's working with Ron Washington who helped Marcus Semien become a good shortstop. Um, but, uh, and Alex Anthopoulos has all the confidence that he's going to get there. Uh, so, but I do wonder if maybe perhaps some defensive growth might lead to him getting a little few nights off to, to, or maybe, uh, a little bit of chance to, to, to get better there. But also on top of that, I don't think he has a lot of power and I don't think he has a lot of speed. I think he might just be someone who has a good batting average hitting at the bottom of the lineup. And um, mm-hmm. maybe there's more there, but uh, right now I'm not seeing it. Okay. I'll close out this section by talking about what Merrifield, one of Doc's old faithfuls here. I think the end of the road is for what Merrifield, he really regressed hitting fastballs last season, which maybe if you're 26 years old, Maybe you say you chalk it up to something, but when you're in your mid thirties, like Whit Merrifield, I, I see that as a big red flag. Cause if you're having trouble catching up to the fastball, that could be a sign of a huge decline. He's chasing a ball, not making the same contract and contact. And he's with the blue Jays who have so much talent on that roster. He's got to have a very short leash if he's not performing. So, and, and I don't expect him to get every day at bat. So I'm, I'm fading with Merrifield in the 11 to 20 range. I'm away. I'm waving my imaginary white flag. I was looking around if I had something. It's yeah. over for me and him. All right, Aww. your relationship is over. Yeah, you just hey, put the nail in the coffin, David. Just, just a, real quick. Uh, what'd you guys make out of that story coming out that they're going to change the dimensions there at, at Rogers Center? Also, it's real. It's real. As being someone that went to twenty can- games at Camden Yards last year, it makes a difference. Yeah. I, I think it's for the worst too, as far as hitters go. Um, yeah, I know they wanted to improve their outfield defense and their pitch, you know, pitching and defense generally speaking. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you do it. It's one quick way you do it there. Raising the walls, I think, in left field, making them higher. I'm yeah, a little worried both about left Vlad and right. There. Yeah, and Vlad already has a, a pretty high ground ball percentage. So you're saying if he hits a line drive, which some of his home runs are line drive home runs, that's mm-hmm. that's lowering the chances of that. So that's that's a good point, uh, Jeff, with the, the Toronto hitters, but also. It, it ties into what Merrifield too, who even more of a reason to to probably fade him in this range. Uh, they said, let's we got sorry just go real ahead. quick. They did say they're moving in the fences a little bit though. They're going to move them in mm-hmm. and then raise them. So I don't know. They said it yeah, kind of offsets it's, it. It's not symmetrical either. It's uh, they're going to have some quirky angles also. So mm-hmm. Kevin Kiermaier, those seventy five games when he's healthy, is going to have a lot of backing <laughs> up of the corners. I think it's going to be a triples ballpark now. Yeah, I always think of like that Astros Hill. And like the Giants oh my like corner. Yep. I like those like little quirks in the ballparks. Uh, let's go to our last one, which is always our favorite outside the top 20. This is somebody obviously it's not going to cost you a lot to get. You can stack the, a ton of them on your roster for very little cost here. We'll go around the horn here to do this last segment because nobody repeated, which is awesome. So Jeff, your favorite player going outside the top 20 is a former tantalizing prospect. And I feel like this is if this is the year, it has to be now. Otherwise, we're done with him, right? Yeah, Gavin Lux, bring him on down. You know, I, I 
He again, this is another guy whose overall line was wrecked by injury at the end of the year. He had the back issues. Oops, I forgot. We're not supposed to say that. <laughs> right. Um, in August, you know, he was cruising until then 290, 373, like 440 on the slug. Um, he's not going to get a ton of stolen bases. He might play shortstop some too for this team. Mm-hmm. I know they traded for Rojas, but I think Lux will still get some reps there as well. Uh, because I don't see Rojas being an everyday player, I just don't. Uh, they like to mix and match anyhow. I think this is you're you're getting them at now like a rock bottom non height price. Mm-hmm. This is this is where you get them. Uh, and you know if he becomes like second baseman fifteen, well then you've gotten you baked in a pretty decent profit. The risk is, is very minimal at this price. So the former, I mean, you you saw what he did in the minor leagues, and he's going to get probably more chances for the Dodgers this year because they're going to have, I mean, which is for them a worse lineup for many other teams still a great lineup. Yeah. They'll, key pieces and and he should get more chances to be able to play so uh definitely could do a lot worse here taking a chance yeah quick question who would you rather have in a dynasty league gavin lux or royce lewis uh that's actually did you just pull that out it's a really hard no me and you debated that like two like 10 episodes ago did we good memory i think lux um because i don't know where lewis is going to play um because you know they re-signed correa so short stops out uh, you know, you can still be more valuable from the outfield, but we also don't know he's wrecked his knee twice now. And mm-hmm. is he going to run like he was, he was before? I mean, there's still Lewis has the higher ceiling at this point, but a far, far lower floor. I guess I have to stay with Royce Lewis. Cause that's who I picked. <laughs> You're allowed to. Um, all right, let's, let's wrap this up. Elsie, your player is, uh, Luis Urias, um, <clears throat> had an injury leg season last year second half though bounced back to hit 260 um still produced a good barrel rate still still hits the ball hard i think you might see a bounce back power for luis urias so you can get that uh decent decent power late i like it marty party your player is who good old faithful gene segura uh, ADP yes. 243.59 the bad x projection has him for 11 home runs 10 stolen bases so, I mean, he's basically offering you what Vaughn Grissom is giving you, but projected, but it's a huge discount. So the veteran's going to have all the playing time he can handle. Like I said, double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, solid batting average. He's going to be hitting top of the Marlins lineup, and uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, there all season if he stays healthy. Is Gene Segura the most disrespected person in fantasy baseball? I, I would like say he's, so. He's perpetually yeah. underrated every single year, no matter what. From his Diamondback days, the Philly, and now yeah. to, to the Marlins, he's really going to fall off. Even by the baseball community, he was kind of like musical chairs, and he was the last, you know, last shortstop standing. So he had to sign with the Marlins. Uh, and no, the Marlins aren't the Reds. I mean, there's there's some hope still for this team, but <laughs> it's a really tough division. I'll be so happy for you if the Reds just out of nowhere are competing this year. Which, by the way, their pitching staff is is becoming so dirty that oh, it's slimy. It's super slimy. <laughs> it's the only thing that's worse is the lineup. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, the thing is they got, they're sick in prospects and they made some good deadline trades, but uh, they, they had this cynical rebuild where they had a chance to contend. And you you have Phil Castellini going around saying they're running a nonprofit, which is just an outright straight up lie. Uh, I don't, I mean, I want to root for the Reds, but I also don't want him to get rewarded for this crap. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh, when you have poor people running the team, uh, you don't necessarily want to have that success. I get that. Uh, but I, I hope you guys are back in contention sooner rather than later. Cause I enjoy seeing the reds competitive because there've yeah. been some really good teams over the last decade or so that I, I wish you just could see that competitive side from them again. Yeah, me too. Uh, doc, your player. 
Go ahead. I'm, I'm going really far down. Isak Paredes, ADP of 401, the 37th ranked uh, second baseman, first base and third base eligible also. Um, I'm kind of discounting the first couple of years he played with the Tigers because they ruined people. No offense, Marty. But in his time with Tampa Bay last year, 11.5 walk percentage, 17.6K percentage. Um, he had 20 home runs. Now what I think is interesting is he pulled all of those to left and left center. So I'm a little bit worried because I think that could be a platoon situation. He hit 196 versus righties last year, but he's 23 years old. He's multi-position eligibility. I, I like what the Rays do with hitters and pass pick 400. I think that's a good stab. He was a DFS darling last year. There were some games, multi-home run games. He had uh, three against the, Ra- uh, against the Yankees, yeah, two against Nestor yeah. Cortez. Yeah, he won people a lot of money. I, I saw screenshots of people that picked him in uh, for fan, for daily fantasy that really were able to make a nice profit from him. So he, he could definitely be someone that could be a valuable player there. I'll close this discussion out with the emerging Phillies who went to the World Series last year and a player that doesn't get talked about a lot. That's Bryson Stott. From March to May, he only had 24 games and was playing inconsistently under 200 batting average and scoring just four runs. But once he started seeing regular playing time came June or come June, I should say, uh, he really started picking things up. And when you go into August, he slashed 287, 337, 426 in 101 plate appearances, a strikeout rate over the entire season of just 19%. And really looks like that he's going to be a, a staple in this Philly lineup as he really improved. And just a fun little stat that I found, he actually only ground into three double plays in 466 plate appearances last year. So I think he's going to be the forgotten piece of that offense, and he'll be somebody that you can grab. Maybe it, it might suck if he hits at the bottom of the order, but he'll still accumulate probably a lot of stats because that's going to be a loaded lineup. So I, I like him if you waited the position going after pick 20. I mean, he might bat a little higher early in the season while Harper's out too. That's a good point too. So Bryson Stott is just a, a screaming value at this point. So I think you got to take a chance on him in a couple of your leagues at the very least. But I'll tell you what, we had an amazing, fun, tremendous time with our friend Jeff Erickson tonight who needs to get ready to do his radio show. So I want to make sure we get him out of here. Jeff, thanks so much for joining the pod. It's always a treat having you. And thanks for giving us the time, man. Anytime. Thanks for the, it's an honor to be asked. I always have, I'm happy to do it. And I'll try to return the favor again sometime soon. Hey man, we appreciate that. Please, before you go, I know many of our listeners are familiar with you, but for in case they have not <laughs> seen or heard the show before, can you tell everybody where they can find you and what you do? Sure. Of course. Rotowire.com. You can check us out. We have a free trial for people that want to check it out. Take a peek behind the paywall, rotowire.com slash free. Uh, catch me on Sirius and XM. Uh, I'm beyond in the evenings until February 20th. And we go back to our daytime slot. I'm about to do tonight where I do a three-hour t- show. Usually it's 8 to 10, though, Monday through Thursday. Um, and, of course, on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Erickson. And the best part is you have a cat that was just cleaning itself off for the last five minutes in the background. That I oh, lovely. lovely Wait, yeah. I didn't see that. <laughs> He's covering that? it now. I don't know if the cat's doing it. But for, the, oh, yeah, so, <laughs> for literally the last five minutes, I've just been staring at that cat cleaning Never itself rising. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's what we're going to get from the podcast. There we go. Uh, Jeff, you're the man. Uh, really appreciate you. And again, if you guys have not checked out any of the stuff that he's putting out, Rotowire is where you got to go. It's one of the top places for any type of fantasy content, not just fantasy baseball, fantasy football. You guys do. Do you guys do fantasy basketball too, right? Well, we do baseball, basketball, football, golf, hockey, cricket. Yeah. You, you name it, we do it. Um, and our baseball podcast is going to uh, five podcasts a week beginning on the uh, January 29th. So. Back to our full schedule coming up soon. That's fantastic. 
Uh, so make sure you guys check out Jeff Erickson and all the great stuff they're doing over at Rotowire. But for Jeff, for a little cheesecake, for Marty Party, for Doc, I'm D Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.